I want to welcome all of you to Fort Caroline Baptist Church. If you're new, uh, I'm Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline. And as Matt mentioned, we're starting a new series today, and it's Beyond Thoughts and Prayers. So you've picked an awesome day to join us. In fact, this is the launch of our Love Jacks Month. Uh, Our church loves our city, and we love helping meet the needs of people in our community. And we do it all throughout the year. But we like to really focus and concentrate on our community in the month of November. And so today we're going to launch this campaign and we're going to ask all of you, join us. Join us in unleashing love and generosity to the people of this community. And you'll learn more about that today as we move along. But today I want to ask for a little bit of audience participation. This is a chance for you to speak back. I've got some sentences on the screen that I want you to help me fill in the blanks. If you know how to finish these sentences, and if you do, you'll understand why we as a church believe in giving back to our community and showing this community in tangible ways the love of Jesus Christ. The first one, see if you can fill in that blank. Actions speak louder than... Oh, you're awesome. All talk and no... Action. That's exactly right. Talk is, and then practice what you, I hear that a lot at home. I don't know why. And then I'll believe it when I, let me tell you, you all understand instinctively that there is something hypocritical about saying things, but never following up your words with action. That it's so easy for us to talk about loving God and loving others in a very nebulous, mystical way. But how do people really know that our faith in Jesus Christ is real? Faith, by its very nature, is an invisible thing. It's intangible. How do people really know that we love God? It is how we love other people that gives evidence to our love for God. That's why we talked about last week, the Ten Commandments can be broken up into those two sections. The first four talk about us loving God with all that we have. And then the last six commandments regulate how we love our neighbor. Of course, when Jesus came, he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I've loved you. How will the world know that we love God? How will the world know that we are followers of Jesus? Not just by the songs that we sing and that we listen to sermons and that we attend church on a regular basis, not even that we give money. They will know that we love God by how we love them, by how we share the love of Jesus Christ. You see, at Fort Caroline Baptist Church, we do believe actions speak louder than words. And we don't want to be a church that just talks about loving God and loving our neighbor. We want to show it in tangible ways. We understand that it is easy to be all talk and no action. We don't want to be that kind of church. We understand that talk is cheap, but love is sacrificial. We understand that we're called to practice what we preach. This community expects us to practice what we preach. And this community looks at us and they hear us talk about loving God and they say, I'll believe it when I see it. And so that is why we as a church are very practical in how we love God and how we love others. And what I want to do today is take you to the New Testament book of James, chapter 2. And I want to begin this series, Beyond Thoughts and Prayers, with a message I'm calling Faith Acts. Faith Acts. And in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, we hear James teaching us that deedless faith is dead faith. 
deedless faith is dead faith. That if you don't have a, a faith that changes you and that is manifest in the fruit of your life, then what good is your faith? What good is your profession of faith in Jesus Christ if it doesn't make a tangible difference in how you love God and how you love your neighbor? Now, I want you to understand that faith is certainly invisible, but it has tangible results. I love what someone said. They said, faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can see their results. Amen? That's the way calories work. You can't see them, but you can see their results. And that's a lot of the ways faith works in our lives. You can't see it, but you can see the tangible results of that. Now, I'm not saying today that your works save you. You can't earn your way to heaven. I don't care how good you try to be. We are yet sinners in need of God's grace. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as revealed in the word of God alone, and it's all for the glory of God and the glory of God alone. By the way, today is not just Halloween, it's, it's Reformation Day. Those are, you can do a little history. That's the Christian faith that we hold today. So I'm not saying that you will work your way to heaven, but I am saying if you're saved, you won't earn your salvation, but you'll express it in how you live. And I'm also not saying that you're going to be perfect or I'm going to be perfect once we follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior. None of us are perfect. Uh, we put on the sign again, no perfect people allowed at this church. And I see you showed up. So I'm so glad uh, that you recognize that uh, you are in good company. We're not sinless. So I'm not saying that if you've ever sinned or if you don't always live up to the standard that God places on your life, then you might not be a Christian. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying there ought to be some fruit in your life somewhere that you truly are a follower of Jesus. And I'm not the only one to say this. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote a letter to Christians in the first century. And he was concerned because there were some people in the Christian community who just went around saying, as long as you say the right things and believe the right things, nothing else really matters. But James says, no. If your faith is real, it'll go beyond just what you say. It'll be demonstrated in how you live. James is writing and talking about faith in three different ways. He's talking about dead faith, and he's going to talk about demonic faith, and he talks about demonstrated faith. First of all, James wants us to know that dead faith says the right things. Dead faith says the right things. Look at James 2 verse 14. James writes, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James wants the readers of this letter in the first century, and he wants us today in the 21st century to know that deedless faith is dead faith. If your faith in Jesus doesn't result in anything beyond what you say, then it's not real faith. What good is it? And he's asking that question in a rhetorical manner, and he's anticipating the answer, it's not good for anything. 
Faith that doesn't change you is a worthless faith. What good is that faith? What good does that kind of faith do you if it doesn't change you? And what kind of good does that faith do if it doesn't change how you treat other people? And can that kind of faith save a person? No. No, James says salvation is not just saying the right thing. Salvation is not just saying abracadabra or some magical formula or saying some theological creed. Faith is trusting Jesus and letting him change your life. And if he's truly changed your life, it'll be evidenced in the works of your life, the fruit of your life. And James gives this illustration about how easy it is to say the right thing but not follow that up with doing. He says, imagine that it's not just a stranger to you. He says, imagine if a brother or sister, this is a a member of the family of God, comes to you and they are poorly clothed and, and they're lacking in daily food. I mean, they're dressed in tatters and they don't have anything to eat for this day. This is a legitimate need and you have the legitimate opportunity to meet the need, but you choose to do nothing more than say to them, Well, God bless you. Stay warm now. Be fed and you walk away. James says, what good is that? What good have you done to this family? You've done nothing good. Your words mean nothing. But true Christian faith is not just a feeling of compassion. True Christian faith takes compassion and puts it into action and says, I'm going to do something because this is my brother and I love God and I love them. As a result, and I want to do something for them. So often we try to let ourselves off the hook. We come up with all kinds of excuses of why we can't help and why we shouldn't help and why we won't help. But James says there are times where you know you have no excuse to do what is good. And if you choose not to do it, then what good is what you say? What good is it? It's good for nothing. Not on your screens, but James isn't the only one to say this. Even the Apostle John in his first letter, 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 6, he said, whoever says, I know him, I know Jesus, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And what are the commandments? Well, he he gives us the commands. He said, here it is, love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another as I've loved you. And James says, uh, John says, I don't care what you say. If you're not willing to keep the commandment of God in loving your neighbor, then you're a liar. The truth of God is not in you. And, and he said, whoever says, I abide in Jesus, ought to walk the way Jesus walked. And what does the Bible say Jesus did? It says he loved God his Father and he went about doing good. And that's the way faith works. Deedless faith is dead faith. And then he speaks about demonic faith. You see, demonic faith believes the right things. Dead faith says it. Demonic faith actually believes it. Believes the right things. Did you know that the demons of hell believe the right things? They have better theology than some church members. Don't take my word for it. Here's how James puts it. James chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith apart from your works. Good luck with that. How are you going to show something that's invisible, intangible? And I will show you my faith by my works. 
And he's anticipating this person to say, but I believe. I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. My faith in Jesus is real. And James says, verse 19, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He says the demons have good theology like you have good theology, but that doesn't mean they're right with God. They believe the right things, but they don't do the right things. And it's possible for you to check off a catechism list. It's possible for you to check off a theology, a systematic theology checklist, and still not have saving faith. Because if your saving faith doesn't change your life, it's suspect faith. The scriptures talk about how the demons are often portrayed with good theology. Uh, For example, Mark chapter 1, verse 34, it says, And he, Jesus, healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, listen to this, because they knew him. The demons knew who Jesus was. The demons weren't so ignorant to say, well, Jesus is merely a good teacher. And he's just another man. He's a prophet. No, the demons knew exactly who Jesus was. That he is the son of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. And Jesus would not permit them to speak. Luke chapter 4, verses 33 and 34 says, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice. Verse 34, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Listen to this. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then Luke chapter 4, verse 41, And the demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he, Jesus, rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. If somebody showed up here saying, I believe there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus is the Son of God, he is the Christ, the anointed of Israel, we would say, man, we got a great new church member today. But that doesn't mean because you know the right thing that you're truly saved. If your faith doesn't go from your head to your heart, where you have trusted in Christ to forgive you of your sin, to be your Lord and your Savior, then your faith is just as good as the demonic faith. It it says the right things, believes the right things, but it doesn't mean you're saved. And then James talks to us again in James chapter 2, verse 20, about demonstrated faith. You see, demonstrated faith does the right things. Demonstrated faith doesn't only say the right thing and believe the right thing. That's a part of it. But demonstrated faith does the right things. It goes out and it puts faith into action. James chapter 2, verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? That faith apart from works is useless? Now he's going to give us two Old Testament examples of true, genuine faith. And I love his two examples because he gives us no wiggle room. He, He gives us a Jewish man and then he gives us a Gentile woman as an example. He gives us a man who was reputable and he gives us an example of a woman who was disreputable. He gives us an example of an insider in the faith of Israel and he gives us the example of an outsider who had genuine faith. And so that means 
Faith is available to anybody if you'll simply turn from your sin and believe in Jesus. And so he says, you want to know that faith apart from works is useless? Verse 21, was not Abraham, this is first example, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Verse 22, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed. In other words, brought to fruition by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. He's he's reminding them of the father of the Hebrew faith, Abraham. Remember, he was a pagan, and God revealed himself to him. I'm the one true living God, Abram. Follow me. I've got a promised land for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And even though you and your wife, Sarah, have no children, and you're barren, and you're old now, I'm still going to make you the father of a number of descendants that you cannot count. And Abram becomes Abraham, and he believes God, and he trusts God, and he follows God. And eventually, as an old man, God gives him and his wife a child, Isaac, which means laughter, because they laughed at the impossibility of what God had done. And then, eventually, God says, take Isaac and offer him on the altar of sacrifice, on the mountain I'll show you. Now, we all know this was just a test. God never expected him to uh, offer a human sacrifice. This was just God testing Abram to reveal that Abraham's Worship, Abraham worshipped the God of the promise, not the son of the promise. That he trusted that no matter what, God was going to keep his word that Abraham would be the father of a great nation, many descendants. And so in that moment of obedience, what was revealed? Faith. But don't you see, it was 25 years earlier Whenever it says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. How do we know Abraham believed God? Because we see the evidence, we see the fruit of it in his willingness to offer Isaac. That was the fruit. Faith was the root. And then James continues in verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Sometimes people question, whoa, James is contradicting the Apostle Paul, where Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 3, that no one is justified by the works of the flesh or the keeping of the law. Well, don't you understand what Paul and James, they're not contradicting each other. Paul is saying we are justified, declared legally righteous in the sight of God when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. But how do people know that we're justified before God? People know whenever they see our actions when they see our works. Paul's talking about what God sees. James is talking about what people see. Paul's talking about justification that leads to salvation. James is talking about a justification that reveals your salvation. They're not contradicting each other, even though this confuses and trips up even some of the best theologians. Look at verse 25. He gives us our second example of real, genuine faith, demonstrated faith. He says, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out? And and another way, he says, remember Rahab? The the, The Hebrew people are going into the promised land 
and they, they come to Canaan, and there Rahab, a prostitute, house on this, the wall of the city in the red light district. And she has heard about this God of Israel, and she's come to believe he's the one true living God, and that he keeps his word, and he's powerful. And so she says, I'm turning from my pagan sinful ways. I'm putting my faith in God. And how do we know that faith was real? You can't see faith. How do we know it was genuine? He says, because of how she treated the spies that came from the Hebrew people. She protected them rather than turning them over to the authorities who would have killed them. She sent them out a secret way. She probably knew all the secret ways out. All the men needed to know that when they visited her. And how do we know her life was radically changed and her faith was real? By the fruit of her actions. It wasn't her works that saved her. It was her works that showed she was saved. James would say in verse 26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Maybe at this point you come to that verse that says in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And you say, well, which is it? Is James right? That that just as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. I didn't think works had anything to do with my salvation. Is James contradicting Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9? For by grace, that's the unmerited gift of God, God's undeserved love. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is simply taking God at his word, staking your faith in him, your confidence in him. Paul even says, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Are they contradicting each other? No, not at all. James is saying, if your faith is like Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, then it will be fleshed out in how you live. Because even Paul tells us that in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You're not saved by your works. Your works show your salvation. You don't earn your salvation, your forgiveness of God, your right standing with God through your good works. You express your salvation through your good works. James and Paul aren't contradicting each other. The bottom line is deedless faith is dead faith. But saving faith acts. Saving faith is demonstrated. Saving faith in Christ is revealed in how I love my neighbor as I love myself. So what's next for us if this is true? Well, let us demonstrate our faith in Jesus Christ by blessing our community. And we want to give you some practical, tangible ways to do that. Whenever you came in, you probably received one of these. And if you're watching us online, these are available on our website. More information about the Be Rich campaign. And it's called Be Rich because it's out of a verse of Scripture that says, Be Rich in Good Deeds. This isn't a get-rich scheme. It's not about us. It's about blessing our community, being generous with our community in practical, tangible ways. And I'm going to encourage you, be involved in every one of these opportunities to give money, to give Christmas gifts to children, and to give your time to feed the hungry and to help our school 
partner with Watermark Elementary School, uh, Waterleaf Elementary and Lone Star. So I want you to read more about that. But, you know, we've been doing this now for three years where we say we want to unleash generosity in a concerted way in the month of November. So I thought, why don't we celebrate what God has done through you over these last three years and then give you an example of how you can be involved this year. And you don't even have to be a member of our church to be involved in our Be Rich Love Jacks campaign. It's open to everyone. And I want to watch this, and then I want to come back, and I'm going to say a couple of more things, and I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to let you go to the back where there are some tables set up if you'd like to get more information about what it means to give your money or to give your time uh, or uh, to give some food, and you can learn more about that at the back. There are also T-shirts available, Love Jack's T-shirts that you could purchase for $10, and uh, you can wear it whenever you go and serve or whenever you're out and about in the community, and you can help us spread the word that we love Jack's. So watch this video and let me come back and share something with you. It's finally here. Be Rich, a Love Jacks project. Each year during the month of November, we go above and beyond in giving back to our community. Be Rich gets its name from 1 Timothy 6.18, which says to be rich in good deeds. Your generosity over the last three years at Be Rich has been incredible. You've packed and given out 700 boxes of blessing, donated over 8,000 pounds of food for the Arlington Community Services, given nearly 1,500 toys for the Florida Baptist Children's Home, volunteered 1,200 hours to loving our community, and given over $100,000 to Hersong and other local nonprofits. Your generosity makes a difference. Since I was volunteering the day that you brought in the 4,000 pounds of food, I've had, had lots of experience sorting it, and it provides us a way for to help our clients. They're very appreciative of us being able to help them feed their families. You really, really honored us with the gift of time, the beautification that happened, the gift of the mulch, all of the equipment, the landscaping, and the man hours. It was amazing. To have children come to a school where it's clean and welcoming and well-groomed makes them feel better about themselves in a place that is welcoming, warm, and a home away from home. Because of your generosity and your willingness to give, to be rich in good deeds, and to use your money to do good in this community, we will be able to answer the phone when these victims of human trafficking call. And we will be able to bring in ladies and give them a warm bed to sleep in. They will have counseling. They will have the arms of Jesus wrapped around them with lots and lots of love and support as they piece their lives back together. And uh, just from the bottom of our hearts to you as a faith community, thank you for caring about these women and for sharing with us and being rich in good deeds. This year, we are highlighting three different ways of giving, money, time, and gifts. With money, we are asking every person to give $40. At the end of November, 100% of that money will be split between Hersong, Arlington Community Services, and Tisha's Hands. With time, we have two opportunities this year to serve. On November 20th, we'll be working at Lone Star Elementary to refresh their school grounds, and we'll also be packing meals for Hunger Fight. These meals will be given to children, families, and seniors who are at risk for hunger. With gifts, we are collecting toys for children throughout the Jacksonville area to have an awesome Christmas this year. We have a goal of every person donating four toys, and you can find a Christmas wish list online. 
Each of these opportunities are for your entire family. Bring your little ones shopping with you to pick out toys and bring your entire family to our service day. All info about Be Rich can be found online at fcbc.life slash be rich. We are excited for all that God will do. With all of us coming together, we can do more and give more to bless this community through the love of Christ. I want you to go at the end of the service, go back to the tables there if you'd like to get more information. I also want you to go ahead, start saving money. You can give today if you'd like to, to this. Uh, and you can go ahead and put on your calendar. Hey, I want to be at that event. And you need to sign up for a couple of those uh, service day events because we only have so many slots available to work at the school and slots available to pack food for hunger fight. And I think it's like 70 slots available for people to help pack food. So we need you to sign up for those. But get your family involved as well. Parents, you, you've noticed something about Fort Caroline Baptist Church. We do less for kids than what perhaps other churches do, but we do more for parents to equip you to be the primary discipler in your child's life, the primary faith leader in your child's life, to carry on the conversations that we begin on Sundays all through the week in your home. This is another opportunity for you to lead your family well. Get your children involved in these projects. Talk about what we're doing, why we're doing it. Read these scriptures about loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and help them become disciples of Jesus at an early age. And uh, we think it'll be transformational for you as a family as well or for your friends. So get involved in all of these. So go ahead and start putting aside money. Put all these events on your calendar and be ready to give of your time, your money, and gifts to help boys and girls have a great Christmas. I want to lead us in a prayer, but as I do that, I want to pray God's blessings on our time. And I want to pray God's blessings on you being people who demonstrate your faith in Christ. But maybe there's someone here this morning who realizes for the first time you've said the right things and you've, you've had the right intellectual thoughts about Jesus, but you come to realize you've never really trusted him as your Lord and Savior. Can I invite you to do that today? Trust him right now where you sit or trust him as you watch online. Let's pray together and let's talk to God. Dear God, thank you for our time this morning to worship you. It has been such a blessing to be together as your family, lifting up our love and praises to you, but also to hear you speak to us from your word and reminding us that deedless faith is dead faith because saving faith acts. And so we want to be people who don't just declare the right things, but we demonstrate the right things by how we love you and how we love others. Father, there could be somebody in this room right now who for the first time in their life realizes they need Jesus or they need to have a real relationship with him. Thank you that he said in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God, I pray that today, right now, they would receive the gift of forgiveness and eternal life by believing in Jesus by putting their trust, their confidence in him to do what he promised he would do, to forgive us of our sin and to give us the gift of eternal life and to make us right with you, our heavenly father. And all of that is because Jesus is the one who died for us on the cross, rose from the dead on the third day and is available to us if we will simply call out on him. And so, sir, would you call out on Jesus today? Put your faith in him. Ma'am, would you put your faith in Jesus today? Not in yourself, not in religion, not in baptism. Put your faith in Jesus. And today, young person, would you put your faith in Christ? Let him change you from the inside out by his grace. It's in his name we pray. Amen.